Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 16, verse 7. If you're not as familiar with the Bible, it's in that New Testament section, and we're in Matthew, Mark, Luke. The fourth book of the Gospel is John. John chapter 16, verse 7. I'm fairly certain today that if I handed out a survey and asked this question, if you had your way, would you rather have more of God in your life or less? I'm pretty sure if I asked that question in this room right now, that most of the people in this room, that most, not just many, I believe most of the people within the sound of my voice this weekend would say, if I had my way, I would want more. Amen? More. I want God to work more in my life. That's why I'm here. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm searching for His purpose, His direction, how to have a relationship with Him. And what a blessing it is. I share with you so often what a blessing it is to be one of your pastors and to be able to share God's Word. What a blessing because I know that people are seeking God's heart. Praise praise the Lord. Amen? And today we're beginning a new series on the Holy Spirit. As Pastor Jeff just said, this is one of the most necessary parts of our Christian walk. But it is also one of the most misunderstood and even neglected parts of our spiritual walk. So we're going to take the next few weeks and try to understand more about the role of God's Spirit in our heart. And the title of the series is called More. Listen to me. Because there is so much more that God wants to do in our lives. There is so much more that God's Spirit wants to do in our lives. There is so much that God has for us that that is described in that one single word, more. And what we're saying in this series is that when we learn and receive the teaching of God's Word about His Spirit, we open the Bible, amen? We open the Bible. This is not man's Word. This is not New Hope's opinion. We're going to open the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about this? What does God say in His Word? When we begin to learn that, and not just hear it, but receive it, it will make our lives better. It will make our lives greater. Think about that. Is it possible that over the next few weeks, as a result of hearing the teaching of God's Word about His powerful Spirit, His amazing Spirit's work in our lives, is it possible that your life is going to be different in three weeks? Amen? It's not only possible, I'm expecting that. I, I Listen... I'm not expecting that I need that. Amen. We will have a far better experience than if we did not have Him playing such a critical role in our lives. In fact, it really goes beyond that. Listen to me, friends. Without the work of the Spirit, you cannot be a child of God. Without the work of God's Spirit, you would never, we're going to talk about that in just a moment, you would never come to know the Lord in the first place. Without the work of His Spirit, we cannot hear from God. We cannot walk with God on a daily basis. And without the work of God's Spirit, we certainly will never experience the impact and the power that He wants to do through our lives. He created us to make a difference. Amen? I think that's the reason so many of us in this room are seeking the Lord. Because as we just heard from Pastor Scotty, God is not just working at New Hope. God is working across the North Country. God is not just working across the North Country. God is working all across eastern New York. God is not just working across eastern New York. God is working all across the Northeast. Amen? Amen. And we sense that, and we want to be a part of that. 
And if we are going to be a part of that, we need to understand the ministry of His Spirit. So today, we're starting this brand new series by considering really an overarching thought. I want to talk with you this weekend about having more of God in our lives. John chapter 16, verse 7. Now, I said if I did a survey, most of you say you want more. I'm going to go with that, amen? And we're looking at a passage where Jesus is speaking to His disciples. He's speaking to those first followers just before His death. We just celebrated Easter. We just celebrated Good Friday. Right before that happened, Jesus is giving His disciples, and really He's, he's giving teaching that He wanted eventually to get down to us. Some of His most important teaching ever and a critical part of that whole passage. If you look at John chapter 14 through John chapter 17, a critical part of that is an emphasis on the work of His Spirit in our lives. And I actually want to back up just a couple of verses from verse 7 just to sort of begin the flow of thought here. Jesus is speaking to them. He says, But now I'm going to Him who sent me. He's going back. God the Son is going back to God the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But, but, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now listen. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Wow. Isn't that a little shocking? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send Him to you. Let's dig into God's Word together today and talk about having more of God in our lives. And the first thing I want you to understand is this. Jesus said that His Spirit would be better for us. Write that down. Jesus told us, He told His first disciples, He told us through His Word that His Spirit would be better for us. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, as I said, as we look at these verses they're found in this longer section where Jesus is giving this final teaching, some of His final teaching, most important teaching, to His disciples. And much of that is related to what we're studying in this series. He's talking about the role and the importance of His Spirit in our lives. By the way, did you know the Bible? If you read the Bible, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God. Did you know it also refers to, as the, uh, to, to Him as the Spirit of Christ? Isn't that interesting? The Spirit of Jesus, this is the Spirit of God, is who we're talking about. And a couple of chapters earlier, in John 14, verse 18, Jesus said this. Well, let me me back up to verse 16 and lead into that. He said, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another, here's that word again, another helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He abides with you and will be in you. But what I want to focus on is in verse 18. Jesus said, now listen to this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Isn't that interesting? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Over and over again, He's trying to prepare them for the Father's plan. Jesus, God, came in the flesh lived a human life. But listen, do you know that He existed before He showed up in human flesh? He is God. He, he existed as God long before He ever was born in that manger. 
And now the Bible says he's going back to the Father. He's going back to heaven. But he tells him, but don't worry, I'm not going to leave you alone. I know, as you might feel, you might be a little sorrowful. You might be a little sad about this. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to leave you alone. In fact, he actually says, I will come to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about His Holy Spirit. He says here in John chapter 16, verse 7, even though you are naturally going to struggle with that, really, I want you to realize this is going to be better for you. Now think about that for just a minute. Jesus said, me leaving is going to be better and Him coming is going to be better for you. Write that down. Jesus leaving and the Spirit coming is better for our lives. Aren't you glad we read the Bible? Because I wouldn't have come up with that. Amen? Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine Jesus? Now listen, he, he's, he's been with them. He's been, his, his public ministry was about three years. He's been with them. They, they were his disciples, the apostles, his followers. They've watched him. They've listened to him. They've given their lives to him. They've trusted him. They're following him. He died on the cross to pay for their sins. He was buried. They went through all of that trauma. He rose again. They went through all that exhilaration. For 40 days, he was with them teaching and preparing them. And now he says, all right, we'll see you. He loads up his suitcase. Can you imagine, Jesus, what if? Now listen, I want you to think about it for just a minute. I can't help but laugh when I look at our suitcase. Caution when lifting, okay? Every, su- every suitcase, I didn't put that on there. Every suitcase we have, I call it a widow maker. They're always loaded to the gills, amen. Caution when lifting. But can you imagine, Jesus, probably his suitcase wasn't as heavy as mine, but right now it's empty. Can you imagine Jesus getting ready to leave? What if Christ was here right now? What if last weekend for Easter, Jesus had come to church? I hope he did, Amen. But what if physically, bodily, Christ, the Son of God, had come into our presence? And what if He'd been with us all week? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? Jesus is here with us. All week He's been here with us. And then all of a sudden we come to church this week. I can't wait to come to church this weekend because Jesus is going to be there again. I heard He was there on Monday and I saw some pictures on Facebook. He was at the office on Tuesday. and He was around... He was around town doing things in people's lives on Wednesday and he was doing this. on. And I just know he's going to be at church. And what if he actually was? And you walk in and he's here and all of a sudden he says, listen, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. It was an awesome Easter. It's been, it's been a fun time, but, but I'm heading out. Can you imagine what we would be doing right now? What would we be doing? We'd be crying, wouldn't we? We'd be broken. No, Lord, please, no, please. What can we do to keep you to stay? Amen? We need you here, Jesus. We need you here now. Now more than ever. You can't leave now. you've You've already started some things. You're doing some things in our lives. We need you to stay here with us. But Jesus says, believe it or not, it is better for you if I leave. And I send my spirit. In fact, he says it pretty strongly. He says... If I don't go, He cannot come. He says it very strongly. He says, I must go. It is necessary that I go so that my Spirit can come and do His work. He says to them, friends, listen, you, you may not understand this. It may not make sense to you, but this is better for you. 
This is going to give you more, a better experience of my work in your lives. One Bible teacher said the thought is not that Jesus and His Holy Spirit cannot simultaneously work. The thought is just that in the plan of God, the Lord was inaugurating a new time in that plan that He said was better. That He said was going to be more for us and for His work in and through our lives. And we're going we're to spend a whole series of messages exploring that. What does it mean to experience more of God in our lives through the ministry of His Holy Spirit? Another Bible teacher said, He did not mean that the Spirit was not already present or that the Spirit had not always been working in this world, but what He meant was that after the death and resurrection and ascension of Christ, His Spirit would begin a work that was new, listen to this wording, and marvelous and unique. Something more was about to happen. Something more than had ever happened before. And if you, like the disciples, are wondering how, how could that be? Well, again, we're going to spend a whole series talking about the impact of that plan. But, but, but I want you just to think of it this way. Jesus could do more by His Spirit living directly in us than He could by physically staying here in human flesh and working with us one person at a time. Doesn't that make sense? That that just begins to open it up for understanding, doesn't it? Oh, I see how it would be better in a sense because He said He was coming back to us by His Spirit. Jesus, listen, I say it all the time. I say, if Jesus was here, and I immediately say what? And He is, right? And that sounds odd maybe at first, but the reality is the Bible says, He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. You are here right now in Queensbury, New York, seeking me and serving me and being a church family, and you do not have to think about it as, oh, we wish Jesus were here. Christ is here through the ministry of His Spirit. And I want you to think about this. Many times we think of it like this, man, I wish I'd have lived here in Bible times. Well, you might want to rethink that. There was no internet access back then, amen? <laughs> to say the least, right? The, the good old days ain't always as good old days as they appear to be in these days, right? Ask the people who lived back then. But many times we think about it like that. I wish I could have walked with Jesus. I wish I could have, I wish I could have gone from town to town and seen Him preach and seen Him heal and heard Him teach and, and listened to to all and saw all the things they did. But listen, friends, there's a great sense in which we should not envy the apostles. And we should not envy living in the first century. The Bible seems to indicate there is no greater time in history to be alive and to serve God than right now. Did you know that? There is no greater time in history to live than right now because God has sent His Spirit to live in us, to live in our bodies, to to lead us, to grow us, to teach us, to use us, to empower us. Wow! So we want more of God in our lives and Jesus said His Spirit would be better for that. But the Bible also teaches us that the Holy Spirit's greater work was always God's plan. Did you realize that? This was not some new teaching. 
This was not something that Jesus just kind of introduced. I mean, he certainly helped them, their understanding, our understanding to take steps forward. The Bible, um, many Bible teachers call that progressive revelations. We're reading the Bible. We see, you know, hints or ideas or, or concepts that start out and they develop more and more. We get more and more understanding. And so there certainly was more development of that idea, but this was always God's plan. In order for us to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we need to, in order to appreciate it and capitalize on it, it's important for us to have a little bit bigger picture. Did you know that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was very active, but He did not permanently dwell inside of individuals? Did you know that? There's a difference in the Old Covenant. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. The Old Testament is another way of saying the Old Covenant. Okay, There's a difference in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant or in the New Testament. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was very active. He was moving. He was working. He was changing. He was, he was empowering. He was blessing. He was gifting. He was speaking. But He did not permanently dwell in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. If you read the Old Testament, it's clear. But there's definitely a difference. The Spirit would come upon people for a special purpose, for a temporary amount of time. Or, if you read the Old Testament, you find that God's presence dwelled among His people in the what? In the tabernacle, which was the, kind of the, they call it the tent of meeting. Okay, so it was sort of a mobile unit. Okay, so until they got to a more permanent spot... God met with His people. He dwelled there in their midst in the tabernacle. Now listen, many of us have it backwards. We're living with an Old Testament mindset. God does not live in this building. I hope He's here. And in a sense, this is His house. In a sense of He owns this. And that's His grass out there. And that's His parking lot out there. Okay, so in a sense that's true. But I don't really call this... Let's go to the house of God. And instead, I try to be careful about that because we have such a bent towards making a building where God dwells. That's an Old Testament idea. God came upon people temporarily for specific purposes in the Old Testament where He did dwell more consistently was in the tabernacle, that tent. And then when finally they built temples, there were different periods where they built different temples because other temples got destroyed, then God would live there, His presence. He would dwell amongst His people in the temple. But listen, in the Old Covenant, God did not live in people's lives 100% of the time. But He did promise in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, that more was coming. That a better day was coming. God promised that one day... Now listen... It makes me want to pay attention more, amen? Because if you think about it, if they'd have paid attention more in the Old Testament, they wouldn't have been so surprised by Jesus, amen? If they'd have paid attention more. And that's easy for you to say because there are some pretty intricate details in there that you have to be really paying attention to catch. And it just makes me to say, hey, not that God's trying to trick us, but we should be paying attention and we won't miss so much, amen? It makes me think about that even today. Listen to some verses very clearly, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. God says, listen to this, how clear. It will come about, now listen, this is a God who 
worked, his spirit worked, that creation, his spirit worked in people's lives, in nations, did things clearly in the, in the Old Testament. God's spirit was working. But hear this language. You hear it from a New Testament point of view. But pretend like you were sitting in the Old Testament. Okay? Where God did not dwell in people. All right? It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Listen to Ezekiel. Chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. Even more direct and pointed. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinance. Now, do you, do you see how you need to be careful reading your Bible so quick? Amen? Because if you were in a group, if you were in a growth group in the Old Testament studying Ezekiel chapter 36, you might have missed that, right? You were daydreaming, thinking about the brownies that you're going to eat when you're going to go home, and you missed it. That He just said real quick there what? I'm going to put my spirit inside of people. You know what you should do? Hold on, back up just a minute. That was kind of interesting, amen? Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. The Lord said, but this is the covenant... The new covenant, didn't we use that language on Good Friday? This is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. These and many other verses tell us, told them, God's plan all along was a new day was coming. A better day, a better experience, more experience of God being with us and in our lives because he was going to actually, in the New Testament, live in the hearts of people who put their trust in him. Friends, listen, when we're talking about and learning about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about this. We're living in the day. Do you realize that? We're living in the day where people have more access to God. We're living in that day right now. We're living in the day where people can experience more of a closeness with God, more of an intimacy with God than anyone who's ever lived before in history, before Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And we have the record of that inauguration of that happening in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Listen to what happened. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. All those first disciples, Jesus said, I want you to wait until I send my promise upon you. Okay? When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place waiting. They were praying, it tells us in Acts chapter 1. And suddenly, I have to pause when I think of that. What if suddenly, right now, God poured out His Spirit on this place and this region in a way like we've never experienced before? Amen? We're praying for it like they were. We're expecting it like they were. Do we really believe God's Spirit's going to move in a mighty way? And suddenly, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing of wind. And it filled the hall. Can you imagine the doors flinging open? And just wind blowing through this building. 
And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all, this is the first time, you wouldn't know this if you, if you, if you don't read the whole Bible, but I want to mark it for you. This is the first time in history that this ever happened. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I want you to understand what's happening here. God the Father had promised that He was going to send His Spirit in the latter days to live in people's hearts. We've already seen that. God the Son, Jesus, had done the work that was needed for that to happen. See, we needed to be forgiven in order for God to live in these bodies, right? These are sinful bodies. And God cannot dwell with sin, so God had to deal with our sin. He did on the cross, praise the Lord. He died for our sins to take care of our sin problem. And so He paved the way for the Spirit to be able to live in here. And now God the Spirit was completing that work of coming now for the very first time in history. God was coming now to live in people who would trust in Him 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. You do not have to be singing a worship song to experience God. In fact, if that's the only time, that's going to be very limited. Right? Because I live a whole lot more life outside of these moments. You might ask, well, what about that tongues thing? Well, there's been a lot of misunderstanding about that, especially in recent church history. But if you look at that, it was clearly not the sign of the Spirit always, at all times, and in all people's coming in a person's life. The Bible teaches that very clearly. It was clearly meant to be primarily... Now listen, it makes sense if you read the Old Testament. God told the Jewish people, I want, to, I want to work through you, but if you won't allow me to work through you, I'll work through all the other peoples of the world. And I will use people of other tongues and other languages to speak to you. Wow. Wow. Amen. Hey, hey God, use us. Amen. Please don't have to use somebody else instead of me. Amen? There's a lot more that goes into it, but that's the primary reason for, for this languages phenomenon that we see. God was saying to the Jewish people, you as a nation have not listened to me. As individuals, many did, but as a nation they did not. So God said, okay, now, for a time in the latter days, I'm going to turn my attention to the nations. And by the way, we believe the Bible seems to indicate in the last days He will turn back His attention to the nation of Israel and finish His work in them because God always finishes what He starts. Amen? Let's go back to the main point of the Spirit of God coming and living in people's hearts. What we're saying is this was always the ultimate plan. That God would, would be bringing us to a point through His plan in the Old Covenant through what Christ did on the cross and through His burial and His resurrection to make the way possible. And then now, after that had been done, now He did it. He sent His Spirit to live directly in our lives. And I share all of that with you to help paint a picture of what, that, what this is and what it means. We are living in an incredible time in history. God, wake up your people. Amen? The church needs a stirring. It needs to realize this is not, oh, we're just getting together again. 
It's the weekend. And we're going to sing a little bit. We're going to pray a little bit. We're going to fellowship a little bit. We're going to eat a little bit. We're going to study the word a little bit. We're going to all these things. And then that, that's just, just what we do. I thank God I'm not. I don't believe in a church family that has that approach. But God, help us never to. And listen, if we don't have that approach, God, help us to go even further. God, help us to expect even what? More. Amen? What more does God want to do than we are expecting? His Spirit lives in us. If you're a child of God, what kind of impact should that make? If the God of the universe... And I've shared with you before, he only took six days in creation just to kind of spread the, 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 the tension out a little bit and, and, and to not show off so much. He could have done it all just like that. The God who could do that lives inside of me. I need to think about that. Amen? I need to think about that. That should mean something different than who I am and what I'm experiencing. Amen? And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is try to understand what that looks like. Hope God's going to surprise you. Hope God's going to bless you. Hope God's going to challenge you. And I hope God's going to stretch you. And us. I'm not trying to get crazy. I'm just saying, I, I need more. I need God to speak to me. Amen? I don't, I, I'm preparing these messages. I'm preparing the series. I have an idea of some things, and I'm praying that God does more than I'm expecting. I, I'm praying that you're praying for our church during this time. Because I guarantee the enemy's not very happy that we're studying about the impact of His Spirit. And I want to begin to move us in that direction by talking about one more thing together today. Let's talk about beginning to understand and receive the Spirit's work. How does the Spirit move us more towards experiencing a relationship with God? We've talked about Jesus saying we need that. We need the Spirit to come and do that work. We talked about how this was always God's plan, but what does that look like? What are, and, t- and tonight, this weekend, I really want to talk about what are some of the initial things that His Spirit is wanting to do in our lives. So we're going to talk about beginning to understand that, and then, as we understand it, receiving whatever God's speaking to you about in that. There's five things I want to give you. Write these down. First of all, the Spirit convicts us. What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? The Spirit convicts us. Now, for those of you that maybe haven't been a part of church as much, convicts sounds like uh, what, uh, what, what happens in court, right? People get convicted. Okay. Well, it's not quite that, but maybe there's a measure of that in the sense of the Spirit basically makes us aware of things in our lives that God wants to do. Fair enough? It certainly happens as believers, but even in a measure, it happens in unbelievers. The Spirit of God cannot permanently dwell in an unbeliever, but He does speak to their hearts. John 16, verses 8 through 11, give us some of this ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, after He said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go away, but if I go, I'll send Him to you. And He, when He comes, will convict the world, will speak to the world about some things about sin, and about righteousness, and about judgment. Concerning sin, because as a whole, they do not believe in me. 
concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. How are you going to know what's right? Because I'm not going to be in your midst. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Praise God for that. Don't miss that little tidbit. Thank God the enemy has been judged. Jesus gives us in that passage some of this ministry. What does the Spirit of God do? He speaks to us about sin. Amen? Jesus says that the core of sin is not trusting God, not believing God, not believing God's Word. So the Spirit of God, does He not speak to you when you are not trusting God? Amen? We're going to talk about this more as we walk through this series, but, but, but is God right now speaking to you about your lack of trust in Him? Is He? Is He knocking on the door of your heart and saying, there's an area you have not entrusted to me? Most importantly is, have you given your life to me? Friend, right now, we're going to talk about judgment here in just a minute. The Spirit wants us to understand that right now things seem to be going along pretty good. We're, we're having a good time here. Everything seems to be good and everybody's got a heartbeat and, and everything seems to be all right. But there's coming a day that I'm going to give my, an account to God. Okay? So the Spirit of God would speak to me and say, Robbie, are you ready for that? And if I'm not, I would sense that. Amen? Are you here right now and you know, listen, friend, I'm not trying to be scaring you, but I do want to be honest. I do want to give the Spirit the opportunity to speak to your heart. If right now you know you are not ready to meet God, then the Spirit of God is speaking to you about sin. And He wants you to give your life to Jesus and to be saved and be forgiven. You do not have to live your life. Pastor Jeff just talked about it. You do not have to live your life in fear. God doesn't want you to. He wants you to know your sins can be forgiven. Is God speaking to a Christian right now about not trusting God in some area of your life? Now, maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you know all of us have sinned, don't we? All of us. The Bible says all of us are sinners. And we continue to struggle. Is there something right now in your life I don't even know about? I have no idea about most people's hearts in this room unless you've told me. But right now, God is knocking on the door of your heart and saying, you know we need to deal with that. Don't take that lightly, amen? That wasn't your good morals. That wasn't you being a good person. The Bible says that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. We need to do something about that. And by the way, usually when God speaks to me about things, there's a reason. There's a reason. He speaks to us about righteousness. Like I said, Jesus was leaving. One of the reasons we'd want Jesus to be here so we could what? We could watch Him. We could be with Him. We could learn from Him. We could listen. Righteousness, I've told you before, we could just say is rightness. How do we live right? How do we live according to the way God designed for life to work in a blessing, in a healthy way? I don't know, but the Spirit of God, does He not knock on the door of your heart and say, that's not good for you? Amen? There are some of you in this room who are fairly new believers, and you are amazed to be pleasantly surprised to, 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 to see the Spirit of God's already working in your heart. You didn't even know, maybe. That's what's happening. I wanted to do that wrong thing. I was happy about doing that wrong thing. And all of a sudden, someone knocked on the door of my heart and said, that's not good for you. This is what you need to do. Amen? 
That's the Spirit of God. Praise God for interventions from the Spirit of God when we're about to make a big mistake. He speaks to us about judgment. We tend to put off paying taxes, doing inventory, paying a bill. Amen? Any sort of evaluation, it just kind of gives us like the heebie-jeebies, you know? We're just like, we start getting the hives or something, you know? We don't like any kind of accounting, and if it were not for the Spirit of God, we wouldn't know we're headed for one. We wouldn't think about it, and we wouldn't be ready. The Spirit of God speaks to us that one day you're going to stand before God. Listen, you may not have known those exact specific words, but just as I said that, He knocked on your heart and said, this man is telling you the truth. Isn't that awesome? God affirms in our hearts. Amen? This is true. This is, this is my message to you. One day, if you're not a believer, you're going to have to account for your sins. And you're not ready for that. You can't do that. You, you'll be separated from God forever. You're not prepared for that court date. As a believer, I thank God that I will never be judged for my sins. Amen? But I will be, if you want to put it this way, evaluated for my stewardship. God gave me some money. God gave me relationships. God gave me time. Amen? Gifts, abilities. Now that's not going to decide whether I go to heaven or hell. But it matters, right? I don't want to stand in front of God and say, God, you gave me a bunch of stuff. Sorry. Amen? Now I thank the Lord Jesus is my righteousness. And I'm not afraid of any condemnation or guilt or anything. And I'm not going to be perfect, and you're not either. But to the best of my ability, with God's help, the Spirit of God speaks to me, Robbie, are you living to be ready for that? Are you being faithful with my Word? Are you leading people to me? Are you spreading my good news? Amen? One day, Robbie, you really are. You really are going to stand in front of me and, and I'm going to ask you what you do with the stuff that I gave you and, and you're going to answer. The Spirit of God speaks to me about that and I need to pay attention to that. Amen? So He convicts us, but He also draws us. This is very important. Did you know that no one would come to God by our own choice? Now, this is very important. You may not agree with me, so I don't agree with that. That's fine. But I'm going to show you in God's Word where it says that. There certainly is an element of decision. Are you listening to me? All of us, there's an element of decision about whether we're going to receive Him or not. But the Bible says, this is truth, okay? The Bible says, if God did not work in my heart, I wouldn't even know I needed someone like Him. I wouldn't know how to find Him. And if I did know all this, I wouldn't have a desire to go that route. Listen to this, friends. I remember a week or two before I accepted Christ, I remember the pastor saying, God has been speaking to your heart and you've been saying no to Him and you need to be very careful about that. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 29, if someone continues to harden their heart, it can be hardened beyond remedy. God is not obligated. The pastor, I remember saying this, God is not obligated to continue speaking to you. Praise God He does. But you can get to a point where you will no longer hear His voice because your heart is so hard. Whoa, as a 12-year-old boy, I said, I better get my act together. This might have been the last time my heart was open. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Amen? I don't want to take any chances. 
I want to give my life to the Lord. If God did not work in our hearts, we would never make that decision. Let me show you where the Bible says that. There's several passages I can give you. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It's very clear in God's Word. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Listen to this. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even, not even Billy Graham. Billy Graham was not righteous in the sense of sinless before God. Billy Graham needed a Savior just like you do. Now thank God, with his stewardship, he did a lot, right? We just said that, right? But he was a sinner just like you. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. By the way, this should be encouraging to you. If someone that you know is open to God right now, you can automatically just know God is at work in their life. If someone's open to God, that means God is at work in their life. The Spirit baptizes us. The word baptize means to immerse. Now we tend to... Listen, you're so used to hearing the word baptism. As soon as I say that right now, you're thinking of water, aren't you? You're automatically thinking of the water thing, right? We tend to so focus, listen, on the picture. I'm not playing mind games or word games. I'm telling you what the Bible teaches. We tend to focus on the picture of water baptism so much that every time we hear the word baptism, we automatically think that. And many times it is. But water baptism is merely a symbol of the true baptism you need. Baptism means immersion. I'm going to pretend like this is a person. When you are baptized, you are immersed, you are buried in Christ covered completely by Him and risen in new life. You're baptized not really by water. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit buries you under the blood of Jesus Christ. You are washed, saturated, immersed. Man, was it yesterday it was raining so much or the day before? You ever come in after not having an umbrella and say, man, I got soaked. That's what baptism means. I got soaked by Jesus. Praise God. Amen. The Spirit did that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Jesus said, as, or John the Baptist said, As for me, I baptize you with water. Here he makes the clear distinction. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Spirit seals us. There are many people, friends, listen, there are many of you right now who are living your life in fear as a believer because you wonder if your salvation took. Amen? I remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Pastor Abby, I was one of the 20 Easter weekend. Actually, I didn't raise my hand. There was 21. I was one. You didn't know it. I accepted Christ last Easter weekend. But I made some mistakes this week. Am I still a Christian? The Bible says when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become sealed by the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, did you listen? The gospel of your salvation. Having also believed, did you believe? You heard, you believed. You were sealed 
in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That was like a king with a signet ring, putting a seal over a letter, melting that wax, putting his ring in it, and nobody can break God's seal. You have been sealed by the Spirit of God. If you have truly given your life to Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, and no one can ever take that away. Now, I know some of you are arguing, well, what if somebody... Well, listen, the Bible deals with that. If somebody lives like the devil the rest of their life, the question is not, did they lose their salvation? The question is, did they ever really experience it? Do you hear me? But if you truly give your life to Jesus, you cannot lose that because no one can break the Spirit's seal. The Spirit assures us. Listen to this. Romans 8, verse 15. If you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, dear Daddy. And in verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now listen to me. All of us sometimes wonder, don't we? Don't we struggle sometimes? Am I really? Am I really a child of God? Did I really understand that day when I was 12 years old? I heard the pastor speak and I went home and prayed there in front of that window of my house. I was so young. So much has happened. I'm a different person now. All these questions. And I can just kind of get myself into a little bit of a hole. And all of a sudden God says, Robbie, we just talked this morning. You know I love you. You know I'm your, you're my son. I'm working in your life. I'm using you in the lives of others. Buddy, buddy. And I often give the example. If your kids came up every day and said, Mom and Dad, please don't kick me out of the family. Please don't. I know some days you want to, but, but if they did that every single day, wouldn't you say, Buddy, sweetie, why do we keep talking about this? Of course you are ours. Let's just enjoy being a family. Amen? There's somebody in this room that the Spirit of God is speaking to you. You need to quit chasing your tail and running in those circles. Did you understand the message? And did you honestly, sincerely receive it? If you did, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're a child of God. Based not on your word, but on God's word. Now, if you're not sure about that, you keep wondering... And let's just nail it down. I'll pray with you. Somebody else in here will pray with you. We'll write the date down when you start struggling. We'll remind you. Amen? If you're not sure, then let's make it sure. But if you are sure, don't let the enemy beat you up. The Spirit of God says, Robbie, you know, you're my son. Let's don't, let's don't go there. Amen? Mm, praise the Lord. Let's bow before Him for just a moment. Isn't it incredible? It may be a little bit shocking to some who haven't been to church as much or maybe haven't been in a while or maybe have never quite heard God's Word like this before. Isn't it incredible that we're not just giving a good talk here this weekend? Isn't it incredible that hopefully the Spirit of God led me as your pastor to share these things? And He's working in all of you right now to affirm them. I can't talk you into giving your life to God. If I could, then it wouldn't be sincere. It wouldn't be real. 
but the Spirit of God is knocking on someone's heart. I know you struggle. I know you've got questions. I know you've done a lot wrong. I know there's a lot of room to grow. I know you don't deserve it, but I love you. And I'll save you right now if you'll trust me. I'll forgive you right now if you'll trust me. Would you cry out? Would you say, would you say God, I hear you? It may even be strange to begin to acknowledge that, but just be honest. God, there's no way this man could get inside of my head. It's you. You're speaking to me. I know you are, God. You've been speaking to me. And I stop right now, and I just acknowledge that. I've been running from you. I've been ignoring you. I've been pushing you away. But God, right now, I surrender. I know you are who you say you are. And I know you have a purpose for my life. And I thank you, Jesus, that you died and you rose again on Easter so that I could know that purpose. And right now, I accept your offer. I ask you to come into my life. Spirit of God, come into my life. Wash me whiter than snow. Baptize me under the blood of Jesus, my Savior. Seal me eternally as a child of God. And help me to follow you. What a joy it is, Lord. What a joy it is to know that you are at work in people's lives right now. Maybe even people that thought they'd never even come to church, much less start a relationship with God. But Lord, I know your Spirit's affirming in their heart. This is not religion. This is a relationship. This is about knowing the God who created you and fulfilling the purpose that He has for your life. This is not churchy. This is not religion. This is not man. This is God wanting to work in my life. And Father, I pray for Your people in this room. Lord, there's a sense in which we don't know what we don't know. There's things that You want to do that we have no idea. And we need the Spirit of God to work in us over these next few weeks. And I pray till Jesus comes again. I don't even know what that means, Lord. Would you show us who you are? And would you help us to receive whatever it is you're calling us to do? Give up sin, take a new step in our spiritual journey. Whatever it might be, God. We thank you for leaving us not as orphans, but for coming by your Spirit to live in our hearts. This is our prayer, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.